Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lieutenant General Dennis R. Larson, United States Air Force, as he gives those most famous words in motorsports. Gentlemen, start your engine! All right, another episode of the Upspeed Podcast ready to go. Tyler Head and Dalton Molinax with you after a couple weeks off. It's been busy time for the both of us, but I can happily say, I've been waiting to say this since early November, we got a race this week. The Bush Light Clash at the L.A. Coliseum this Sunday night. Yeah, it's, I mean, it it seems, to me anyways, it seems like it's been a long time coming. You know, just the, um, you know, the debut of the next-gen car, you're, you're going to this new venue that, that you've, that you've never, you know, never been to in our lifetime. Um, I don't know if they've ever raced there before, but it's just, it, it, it's the closer it gets. And um, I was watching yesterday, I was watching uh, race up. Mm-hmm. They were live from the Coliseum and it was just like, wow, like this is really happening. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's almost kind of funny because all this focus has been on the next gen car, the next gen car, they're testing all this stuff. But like, I feel like these last couple of weeks, as we saw the track, the LA Coliseum come together, it's really shifted to like, man, what's this track going to be like? What's this track going to race like? What's it going to look like? And you know, now this is all done and everything. And then you kind of go back like, oh, wait a minute, we get the next gen car too. What's that going to be like? So, um, yep. you know, so, so many unknowns, just the fact that we're racing in a football stadium period, because if this is successful, who knows what kind of doors this could open, you know, for years to come. So um, you know, it's, it, this is going to be a very, very important event in NASCAR's history uh, coming up on Sunday night. Yeah, and I want to say that I read somewhere today that NASCAR does have like a an option um, with the Coliseum or maybe the city of Los Angeles, one of the two, to run it there in 2023 and 2024 yeah. if it goes well. And I think there's so many different angles that this event's you know, you could, you could look at the event from, but, you know, I, I've read the number like 70 NASCAR expects like 70% of fans that are going to be in attendance to have never been to a NASCAR race. Yes. And it's like, that's, that, that, that is, cause I was, I was against it. I thought it was so stupid when they first came out with it. Yeah. Um, like it you don't take away Daytona. Um, but now like seeing the, the positive reaction from, you know, non-NASCAR fans and, and NASCAR fans alike, I, I'm really intrigued to see how this is all going to play out. And we, we both understand this, but I think a lot of people don't. This event is for those kind of people, the people that have never watched a NASCAR race before. A lot of people in LA, hey, they're racing in the Coliseum. Let's go see what all this is about. So when you look at what this, event is going to be where they're going to have a pre-race concert they're going to have a little halftime concert there's going to be a dj playing stuff during the cautions like they're making sure that the entertainment does not stop at this event because it's going to be you know with the the heat races and stuff the full coverage on sunday is going to be six hours long from two until eight or later depending on how long this race takes so they're making sure when these people get there they're constantly entertained. Now, the focal point, of course, is the racing on the track. Um, but if you can get somebody in the door because they like Pitbull, like, oh, I'll go see the Pitbull pre-race concert, and let's see what all the, and so let's see what this race is about. They enjoy the concert. They see something cool in the race. That's going to make them want to tune in the next week for the 500. 
And that's how you build fans from this kind of thing. You've got, you have to cater to them a little bit. You have to give them things that they're familiar with that they know they're going to like, and then also give them something they're unfamiliar with that you hope they end up liking. Yeah. And that's the key. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's a show. Yes. Like it is, it is an entertainment business. Um, and I know like there's some people that disagree, but it is an entertainment business. Yes. And you know, that's what they're doing with this is they're turning it into a, essentially a six hour concert. It's yeah. what I mean. And, and, and look there, you know, for me and you, we're watching it for the race. I don't care if Pitbull gets in the car and drives. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care. I want to yeah. see, I just want to see the racing aspect of it. But like you said, we're already hooked. Sure. You know, it could be the first race of all time. I'm still going to watch the Daytona 500. Yeah. But you're looking to capitalize on that crowd that's like, well, I mean, NASCAR's in my backyard. I'm not doing anything on Sunday afternoon. Sure. And it's in the college. Why not show up? And it, that, that's that big pull. Right. And it's better to introduce it in a smaller amount. You know, you're going to have the heat races and stuff like that, last chance qualifier, which are broken up into these 25 to 50 lap things. The race is going to be 150 laps broken up into two 75 lap segments, which when you look at the size of the Coliseum, those laps are going to click off pretty quickly. So we're never going to have more than, I'd say, what, 10 to 15 minutes of just straight racing. Um, So again, it, it divides it up, gives you these small sample sizes you know, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And then, you know, like you said, if somebody likes what they see in this race, okay, now I might think about watching three and a half hours of the Daytona 500 two weeks later because I've gotten these sample sizes. Let me see what the whole thing is about, you know, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like if they tune back in for the Daytona 500, they enjoy that. You know, they watch the next week, the next week. Now they bought a T-shirt. Now they want to travel to a race and like yeah. stuff like that. that's how you that's how you gain fans. And I want to give a shout out to Fox's marketing team because it seems like we talk about this every single year. The way that they promote, because of course you know the NFL playoffs, divisional championship, and some 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 years the Super Bowl. Not in this case because it's going to be on NBC. But you have these prime weekend football games leading up to the NASCAR season where you have the opportunity to play this commercial to get people interested in the upcoming season. And in years past, they really screwed it up with the Daytona day and presenting it as this silly non-racing type of thing that like the first Daytona day didn't show any sort of racing at all, like the commercial. And that bugs so many people because that you're, you're, you're false advertising at that point because the Daytona 500 is a race. It is not this, house party with your entire neighborhood it could be that but it's most likely not so you right. have to sell the racing you have to sell the characters the drivers in the cars and the promos that they've been running for the clash and for the daytona 500 where you have bubba wallace joey logano chase elliott kyle larson walking out into the coliseum with their helmets in their hands like gladiators it really presents the sport in a really good light and again if you're a person that's never watched nascar before hearing the idea of them racing in a football stadium, seeing these drivers presented these, these heroic type figures, that's what hooks you. And that's what gets you interested. Yeah. It, it's all about capturing the audience as, as quickly and as, as hard as you can. And, and I know for me, like, I mean, when I don't remember, I don't remember if they announced it during the game on Fox, they were like, well, we've got a big NASCAR announcement coming up in the third quarter. Yep. But like that, like, well, I'm going to stick around. Like, I want to, I want to see what this does. And, 
you know, obviously we found out it's, it's Tony Stewart's going to be in the booth for the clash and the 500. But I mean, it's just like, it's like little things like that, that, and I, I think we, we'll talk about that later. I think that's such a good move to get him in the booth, but it's just little things like that. They've done so well by promoting, right. you know, even like in this in's NFC championship game, yeah. it was, you know, it felt like every commercial break that there was, you know, the next weekend on Fox, you've got the clash and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, okay. And, and even the announcing of Tony Stewart in the third quarter of the um, game last weekend, that was very strategic too. Cause Tony Stewart is this name that's known outside of NASCAR for some controversial reasons, of course, but he's a, he's more, he transcends the sport, at least to some degree, maybe not the degree of Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt Jr., but he's a name that a lot of people know. If they were announced, hey, guess what, Greg Biffle's going to be in the booth for the Daytona 500, you're like, uh, we would obviously be like, hey, that's cool, but the average person's going to be like, well, who's that guy? I don't care about him, but you're more likely to have the average person know who Tony Stewart is, whether they used to be a NASCAR fan, whether they were a casual fan saying, hey, that guy's going to be in the booth, maybe I'll check that out and see what he has to say. Well, and two, I mean, I saw somebody tweeted it, but like Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart searches on Google went up yeah. right after the play. And like, look at, he's a three-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. Oh, by the way, he's a race owner. He's race team owner. You know, yeah. he participates in other series. Like, it's just all these different pieces that you could just pull this big, gigantic puzzle together. And so far, we haven't seen racing on it. We'll get there this weekend. So far, this has been put together masterfully by by nascar it really has and here's the thing too creating a short track is such a low risk thing if they were building a mile and a half track in the middle of a field somewhere then you're wondering like oh this racing kit's strung out it could get boring you put cars on a short track as long as the track doesn't fall apart we're going to get entertaining racing. I think it's going to be just fine. Now, could it end up being a crash fest that makes things look a little sillier than they should? Sure. But it's going yeah. to be entertaining to one degree or another. Yeah. Yeah. Again, at the end of the day, the entertainment is what you're shooting for in this. It's an exhibition event. And that's the thing, too. Too many people try and gatekeep NASCAR. Like, if it's not the way it was back in 1979 and the Winston Cup days, I don't want it. Well, things yeah. change. And especially for an yep. exhibition event, which doesn't count towards the overall, you know, championship. It's an event for fun, for money, for the casual viewer. Do whatever you want with it. Bring in that audience. Put a concert in the middle of the race. Have a DJ during the during the cautions. I don't care because it's an exhibition event. Yeah, there there is, you know, when the race is over, nobody's automatically going to the playoffs. Like it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yeah. And I kind of think I like the potential of this going forward. You know, if they decide to do it in the Coliseum for a couple more years, maybe they move it around. I really feel like this could kind of take the place of what the all-star race used to be because the all-star race, let's face it, is not thought of very highly by anybody. Now that we've got it at Texas, it's really not thought of highly by anybody. But if you have this premier season opening event, at you know in a big place like LA on this short track like I feel like that could become the premier exhibition event of the season that everybody really looks forward to the entire offseason and it properly kicks your year off yeah we're still gonna have the all-star race where they have it at Texas Charlotte whatever but it doesn't have that same lore that it once did this race could have that yeah yeah I agree with you I think that 
you know, it, it has the potential to be a home run. You know, I really, I really think so. Yeah. I'm excited. We're going to get, even before Sunday, we're going to get a couple hours of practice on Saturday, going to get some qualifying on Saturday night. So we get a full two days, basically, of, of NASCAR content before the Super Bowl is even played. How awesome is that? Well, I was thinking about the other day, I was like, how awesome is it to have practice and qualifying back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know I know we talked about it when they announced what the formats of this were going to be. And yeah, it's a little bit maybe convoluted with splitting them up into groups and stuff like that. But again, we're going to get practice. We're going to get qualifying. When we have all three series at a racetrack on a given weekend, we're going to get three full days worth of on-track content, which is something that we haven't had in almost three years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited for the season. A lot of unknowns, a lot of, there's going to be growing pains. We know that, but I, I don't know. It just, it feels like a, a real breath of fresh air going into this year. Yeah. It's, it, it and it's weird. Cause like you just, the new car, the, the new start to the season, it's just like, there's so many things. There's so many unknowns. I mean, Ever since, you know, I've, I've become a fan in the early 2010s. It's like, for me, this is the first year where it's like, I really have no idea what to expect. Right. You know, like many years, it's just kind of like a huge question mark. Yeah. Well, and I think we all kind of understand that we're witnessing the birthing of this new just generation mm-hmm. of NASCAR racing itself. And we've been slowly building towards it, you know, with the implementation of the elimination style playoffs, the stages and all that kind of stuff. Now we've got the new car. So all these pieces that have been coming together over the past six to eight years are now all here. And now we can just focus on what's ahead in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. Um, this, this era of NASCAR is already starting off with quite a few surprises, including one that I thought we'd never actually see. And that is the money team, Floyd Mayweather's race team, is going to hit the track at Daytona and attempt the Daytona 500 with Kaz Grala. Now, I had to think back to when these rumors, like, started. And I'm pretty sure it was late 2018 where they were teasing the idea of maybe you're running, like, the Homestead season finale. That never happened. But every single year since, that name has cropped up. Like, hey, money team, things are happening. Maybe they come to Daytona, and it hasn't happened. Today, we got a car unveiled it's going to be sponsored by pit viper sunglasses kaz guns kaz Grawl is going to be driving this thing's legit yeah well and I, you say it's legit until like they get to, they get to daytona and it's like well where's where, where's the money team at you know i'll believe when i see it on the track sure um sure. but yeah it's like this you know you you alluded to it a little bit earlier um before we started recording about how this new financial model of NASCAR mm-hmm. is, is more inviting to others outside of the sport. And it's like, I mean, look at the, I, I know we've obviously the big, you know, guy we brought in over the past year has been Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, but it's like, look at all these different, you know, Pitbull, you know, Floyd Mayweather now, like you just, this is what's, this what's excites me is that this could be the future as well. You know, you talk about like a new era, I think we could see a new era of, of, of owners, of, of interest in the sport. And to me, that that's just as exciting as what we're going to see on the track this weekend. Well, and I think it also, when you kind of talk about what this next-gen car is to where you're essentially buying the same parts and pieces 
as Hendrick, as Penske, as whatever, if you want to, you know, slowly introduce yourself into the sport as an owner, you can buy the parts and pieces for three or four cars, run six, seven races. If you like it, go full-time the next year, try to acquire a charter. Like there's more, I think the, the avenue in is a little bit easier now. And I say easier, the, the charter system is very complicated, but getting a car on the racetrack, I feel like is now easier than it was when you had to worry about, okay, well, we got to make these hundreds and hundreds of parts. Where are we going to get those from? Do we have to buy hand-me-downs? Like, what's going to happen here? Now you can buy the pieces of the car from all these suppliers. You can lease an engine from Hendrick, you know, Gibbs, Penske, whatever. And I, I think realistically you could get on the racetrack for under $500,000, which is still a lot of money. But if you're talking about just getting a team and a car on the track, that's kind of cheap. Yeah, you've got the ability to do it. Yeah. So, um, and again, this is the first year. We know the supply chain's really low. All the major teams are still struggling with car counts. But as we get to 23, 24, when those numbers have stabilized, everybody has all the parts and pieces that they need, that's when I'm interested to see what more comes into the sport. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. And it, and, it, and it is something that you brought up before we started recording as well. You know, we've had two pretty prominent names in the IndyCar world and Simon Pagano and Elio Castroneves over the weekend at uh, the Rolex 24 say, hey, I'd love to try NASCAR, maybe we're on the Daytona 500. And again, this provides a possible avenue for Elio if Meyer Shank Racing wants to pony up the money to run the Daytona 500. They can do that. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's just, I, you know, I, I think it's just, exciting to see interest from other you know from other forms of uh, of motorsports because usually it's it's been the other way around like you hear yeah. nascar drivers they want to go run the indianapolis 500 they want to go run le mans like whatever like they, there's all these different things that they want to do but it's really cool to see top drivers from other sports be like i want to try nascar it looks like fun speaking of which i know he's run nascar before over a decade or you ran the cup series before over a decade ago it's run you know, Xfinity and stuff as the years have gone by. Jock Villeneuve's going to attempt the Daytona 500, and I feel like nobody is talking about it. This guy's an F1 yeah. world champion, went head-to-head with Michael Schumacher back in the 90s, and he's about to run the Daytona 500 for this brand-new Hesenberg, however you pronounce it, team, and I feel like nobody's talking about it. Yeah, it, it's one of those stories that just gets lost in all the other commotion that is NASCAR right now. Yeah, but, like, this should be – treated as a big deal and i wish it was yeah most definitely but again if somebody sees him do it it's like hey not i'm not saying that lewis hamilton's going to come over here and run the daytona 500 how awesome would that be but you know he's a guy that makes millions and millions of dollars every year let's say he doesn't pony up a little bit a little bit of his own money and say hey i'll give this a shot yeah why not we'll try it it happens and again this is all easier said than done, and maybe it's not that simple as time goes on, but I like the potential of what this brings to the sport going forward. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, a few things housekeeping-wise as far as the schedule goes. Um, you know, we've, we've been following the ongoing saga of what Atlanta Motor Speedway is going to become, which is essentially the third super speedway on the schedule next to Daytona and Talladega. Um, we had the test there a couple weeks ago. They're going to run the super speedway rules package, at least in the cup series, um, you know, with drafting and all this stuff, the pack racing. And we recently found out there's most likely going to be 
a yellow line rule, at least for parts of the racetrack at Atlanta. I assume they're talking about the straightaways. Um, still skeptical. I don't know what this is going to look like. Um, I'm excited to get there, but at the same time nervous. Like, I want it to be good, but I'm afraid it might might be a little on the boring side. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect. I, I mean, I, I think that they're – I know they've done a tire test there, and and – I mean, it was, you didn't really hear much out of that. And, you know, I, I, I like to be an optimist, but I think, I, I know there's, there's skepticism of the new track layout. And I feel like if it was, you know, some great racing that those drivers participated today, they would have talked about it. Sure. Um, and, and they did. And that, that does concern me a little bit, but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it, we're stuck with it. You know, it's, it's not one of those that, you know, we can't revert back to the old surface real quick. We can't revert back to the old layout. Right. What we have, what we're going to be dealing with. Well, and, and thinking back to July when all this was announced prior to the, uh, you know, race weekend back then, the anticipation was that we were still going to be running this 550 high, high downforce package everywhere, and this was going to be kind of the future of mile and a half. Atlanta Motor Speedway NASCAR had no idea we were going to end up running this low downforce, high horsepower thing, which kind of goes against what this track was designed for. Um, you know, if they knew that back then, maybe they don't make this change. But um, and, and I don't know this for sure because they haven't announced it. But at least at the tire test, the Xfinity Series was running their regular standard rules package. At least that's what it looked like. They're running this, you know, spoiler they run everywhere else. And I don't know what the specifics of the horsepower are. So maybe we kind of get a balance. Like, okay, you get the standard regular package on Saturday, maybe you get the super speedway package on Sunday, compare apples to oranges to see what works. Um, that way, if you need to make a change where you come back in July, you can. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, that's just, you know, we've said numerous times this off season, it's going to be some, there's going to be some growing pains um, with this car, with the, with the new track in at Atlanta. Um, and it's just one of those you're going to have to iron out, you know, it may not even get it fixed this year. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and again, it's our home race track. We want it to be as successful as it can be. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Hopefully, it goes well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, It'll be here before we know it. Uh, another significant change just came out. Uh, I guess last week, but the Spring Martinsville race is going to be cut from 500 laps down to 400 laps. And I never advocate for less racing. But I've long held the belief that if you're going to have two races, they should be different. So, yeah. you know, Daytona, we have the 500, we have the 400. Charlotte, we have the 600, we have the Roval. Um, you know, Atlanta has two different mileages on their races. So while I don't want less short track racing, I can understand trying to differentiate the spring race, which is a night race and it's a big deal and all that stuff, from the playoff, the final playoff elimination race in the fall getting set to set the stage for the championship race, having that 500 laps, um, you know, to, to add a little more emphasis to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like, I like the differentiation amongst the two. Um, Cause you, and that's what I mean. At the end of the day, it's just a mind game. Sure. Um, but I, I like the thought of the, you know, the penultimate race being 500 laps, you know, you, you know, big time 500 lap or a, at Martinsville, when you like, you know, you look back and you're like, well, in the spring we only did 400 laps. It, I don't know if it just, again, it's a mind game. Sure. Um, and, and again, I don't advocate for less racing, but I wasn't as 
upset about this as some people seem to be. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting too. NASCAR released the stages for only a handful of events to start the season, um, which most of them are pretty well in line with what we did last year. But they have to, or the rest of them are TBA because we don't know what the fuel mileage of the next gen car is going to be yet. So we're yeah. two weeks away from the season starting. We don't know the stage lengths for 70% of the season. Well, and it's just kind of one of those. I, I'm not even mad with it. I'm, I'm sure. glad that they've just to hold off on it, rather than to be like, "Yeah, uh, we think fuel window here is going to be 50 to 60 miles or 50 to 60 laps," and then, oh, it's actually 100. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I'm glad that they're waiting. Um, and what I, I feel like very early into the season, we'll get things figured out. Yeah. Uh, another quick track note that I know we haven't gotten to talk about Sonoma reverting back to its not original layout, the layout that we used prior to the carousel coming back in 2019. So they're going to go back to having the short shoot on the far end of the racetrack, which created a lot of passing zones. Very excited about this. I was never sold on the carousel. I don't think it added too much to the race itself. So we get the uh, passing zones back at Sonoma uh, when we go there in the this summer. Yeah, good addition. So, um, no, and, uh, you know, like I said, as we get closer and closer to the season, just really excited with all the, the news and everything that's coming out. And I know we've talked about this every episode we've done. I really don't feel like the offseason ever happened because there was so much content to talk about, all the testing and all the, you know, the, the team news. And you know, we had the Hall of Fame, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it just, it never slowed down. We never got to, like, separate ourselves from NASCAR. It feels like 2021 just rolled over into 2022. Yeah, everything was spaced out enough as well, you know, to kind of keep you – you'd have, you know, a couple weeks, big news, a couple weeks, but, you know, here's another test. A couple more weeks, you've got the Hall of Fame, and then here we are at the the beginning of the 2022 season. A season that only has one off weekend. So, I mean, we're pretty much going all the way to November here with uh, no signs of slowing down. Yeah, yeah. So – um excited for it and uh i'm excited that we finally get to make our first picks as we start yeah. a new season of our head-to-head competition yeah it's um i'll be interested to see um i'll, I'll start my list tonight uh to see it was very very close last season and down the wire i think is pretty cool because it's like you go you know 36 races and it all I mean it literally came down to the last race yeah and for you and me as well it literally came down to the Xfinity race and a few inches you know had Cindric won you would have you would have won but um but yeah I mean it's it's we're back and um it'll be interesting to see how this season shakes out well, as our defending champion I'll let you go ahead and make your pick for the clash on Sunday and here's what's interesting about this we could make a pick, and this guy may not even be in the main event because only 23 cars get to race in the main event on Sunday. So if you pick Kevin Harvick, he may not even be in the main event on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah and it's – I mean, it's possible. I mean, almost half the drivers won't make the field. Yeah. You know, that's Which, what's – You know, when, when – and we did, like, the, the heats in the Xfinity Series, and, you know, we've had the stage racing, and we do the things that outdoor the heat races – but none of them have had consequential eliminations like this race is going to have, which adds such a yeah. great layer of it 
for me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a Chase Elliott fan, but I, he's got to win this heat race if he wants to be in the main event. Like, I got to hope he wins this heat race. Like, it just it, it yeah. gives you a reason to invest in it more. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So. Uh, my pick, if maybe outside the box, may not be, William Byron. Okay. Reason why is we know how much he loves iRacing. Mm-hmm. I bet he's been on it nonstop. Probably because they scanned the track and it's been in there for a while. Yeah, I, I bet he's been on it nonstop. Yeah. So stick with Willie B. It's a good pick. Um, I just mentioned my one more to go. I'm actually going to go with Kevin Harvick. Um, obviously didn't have a very great – I say didn't have a great season. He had a good season. He just didn't visit victory lane. Stuart Haas had a down year. Now the slate is clean. It's a new year for everybody. Everybody's learning this new car. Kevin Harvick's a fantastic short track racer. I feel like the aggression's going to be dialed up to 10, which we know he can be very aggressive. I don't know. I just feel like this falls perfectly into his hands. Yeah, it could. It, yeah, very well could. So, and hey, if it comes down to him and Chase Elliott in the final laps, I don't think they're going to be too kind to each other. Well, and that's exactly what Fox wants. Oh yeah, let's just hope white. Let's just hope white t-shirt guy doesn't get between them this time. Yeah, for real. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. Like I said, we're off and rolling now. Uh, we get the season started with the with the clash. Then we get the Super Bowl. Then the Daytona 500. So we get a little week off there, but at least we get a big event to look forward to in between. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, then we're rocking and rolling all the way to uh, the end of the season. Yeah. So. Um, We'll be back next week to talk all things Clash. Hopefully it's a good event. And uh, I guess next week would be good to do more of a season preview and do the Daytona 500 the next week. But, um, yeah, we're, uh, the off season is over. It's time to go racing. Yeah, it's officially race month. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll stay with us all season long as we go week by week and break it all down. So thanks for listening to the Upstreet Podcast. We'll catch you next time.